Well, Happy New Year, everybody. So glad you are here. Anybody excited about our one day of winter? Yes. Don't worry, next week it'll be in the 80s probably, Um, but but hopefully it won't. But enjoying our nice, cool weather out there. So glad you came to start the year off with us. If you're new, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and we are in that time of year. We're in that time of year when we are thinking about making our lives better in some way. So whether you call that a New Year's resolution or not, anybody make New Year's resolutions? There are two people that make, anybody make a resolution to never make a resolution? Okay, so we got a lot more. Uh, All right, so whether you call it New Year's resolutions or not, often we're thinking about in this time of year how to make our lives better some way. So sometimes we think about, you know, this year I really need to eat better or I need to save more money. I need to exercise more. I need to go back to school. I need to find a new career. I need to start a new relationship. I need to get out of an old relationship. And we, we think about all kinds of things in an attempt to make our lives better in some way. Now, you should have noticed that I said we think about it. There's a difference between thinking about something and actually doing something. That's probably why so many of us have decided we're just not making New Year's resolutions because we understand how challenging that can be. So I wanted to start this morning by brainstorming together. What are some of the reasons why we struggle to make and then keep some of those life-changing decisions, those things that we know will make our lives better if we actually do them? So this is an opportunity for you to participate out loud. So what are some of those reasons that we struggle to keep those commitments? Follow through through is difficult. Yes. Commitment. Commitment. Willpower. Willpower. Human nature. nature. You you know us. (laughs) Somebody else? Dedication. Dedication. Anything else? I'm lazy. Thanks for the honesty. Were you talking about me or were you talking about you? Maybe that was me. Um, So yeah, I get that. So there's all kinds of reasons why we struggle to to make and then to follow through with some of these these good decisions that we know will make our lives better. Now, I want to focus in on one of those things. And it's one word that was spoken this morning. And it's kind of a scary word. It's the C word. Everybody ready? Commitment. Change is close, but commitment Guys, isn't that scary? It involves commitment. We need to commit to make these changes in our lives. And that's a scary thing for us because sometimes we have this fear of commitment. And some of the thoughts that we have when it comes to some of these decisions and why we have a hard time making some of these commitment decisions is we think, you know, if I commit to that thing or that person, what do I do if something better comes along? You know, like next week or next, next year, something better, someone better comes along. What do I do then? Or what, if I, what do I do if I commit to that thing or that person and then I fail? I don't want to be a failure. I don't want to be looked at as a failure. So I may have a hard time committing just because I don't really want to be seen as someone who can't follow through. So I just won't commit. Or what if I commit to that thing or that person and then I find out I don't like that thing or that person? a week later, a month later, a year later, and I'm like, you know, I don't really like you. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. I made that commitment to you or that thing. Like, I don't really like that. And then we will feel like we're stuck in some sort of prison. None of us like to feel like we're in in a prison. So there are all kinds of reasons why we keep ourselves back from making these commitments that can better our lives. Now, there's this other word that we have fallen in love with. And it's kind of opposite to the word commitment. It's the word 
freedom. Isn't that a great word? Don't you just love the word freedom? You know, I think about the word freedom, I think about this. Isn't that a great way to start the year? You know, it's been like years since we've seen that clip. And I thought, you know, what a perfect time. We're talking about freedom. That's what I think when I think of, you know, freedom. Freedom. So that's kind of what we think when it comes to commitment. We think, you know what, like my lack of commitment will bring me freedom. Like if I don't commit, then I can buy whatever I want. I can eat whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I can date whoever I want. And, and my lack of commitment will bring me the freedom that I so desire. But God has a different perspective, as I'm sure you can imagine. God's perspective, from his perspective, he says that commitment makers are the ones who experience a freedom in life that commitment avoiders never experience. Jesus actually said in John 8, 31 and 32, he said, you truly are my disciples if you follow my teachings. Like you're truly my disciples if you obey my commands. And another way to say that is if you commit to follow me. So if we commit to follow him, then in verse 32, he says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So from God's perspective, it's not a lack of commitment that brings us freedom. It's when we make God honoring commitments, when we commit to follow God and live out his ways, that is when we begin to experience a freedom that can only come from making those kind of commitments. Now, if you look at our logo for this series, uh, you'll notice it says no freedom. And then right in the middle, we've got the letters N-O of the word no highlighted. And that's, again, what many of us think when we think about making God honoring commitments or following through with a commitment. We think, if I do that, then I'll get no freedom. It'll be taken away from me. And yet from God's perspective, he says, if you commit to follow me, then you will know intellectually. You will know in your heart. You will experience a freedom that can only come from God-honoring commitments. So we're going to start today with a Bible story found in the Old Testament part of the Bible. It's actually found in 1 Kings chapter 19. And in this Bible story, we're going to look at the story of a commitment that a, a specific man made. And we're going to look at this story of Elijah and Elisha. Now, these guys often get mixed up because their names are so similar and they both had the same job, okay? So they're both prophets for God, for the nation of Israel. And uh, I will probably mix up their names as we go along in the teaching today. Again, their names are so similar. So Elijah... He was that prophet of God that did this amazing thing. And I had the privilege last year when a number of us were in Israel, had the privilege of standing on the mountain where this happened. Well, he challenged 450 prophets of another God named Baal to a contest. And the contest was the God who can send down fire from heaven and burn up a sacrifice is the one true God. And the 450 prophets said, hey, that sounds like a, a great thing. And they went into the contest and only the one true God, only the God of heaven could do that. And he proved that he is the one true God worth worshiping. He sent fire down from heaven and consumed up that sacrifice. You can 
read about that story in the first Kings chapter 18, the chapter before what we're going to look today. So that was Elijah. Now, Elisha was the guy that God had asked Elijah to go anoint as the next prophet. So he was his apprentice for a period of time before Elijah would leave. So we're gonna read this story from verse 19 down to verse 21. So it's just a real short story uh, about their interaction, about this commitment that Elisha has to consider to make. So listen to what verse 19 says. Verse 19 says, so Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. Now we're going to pause there for a moment and unpack what we've read so far. So we see Elijah, he is responding to God's call to go and anoint Elisha as the next prophet. And he walks along, as he's walking along, he walks past 11 teams of oxen, gets to the 12th team, and there is Elisha. Now, what that meant in Elisha's day was that he came from a very wealthy family. So you can imagine 24 oxen. It's a lot of oxen to have today. It was a lot of oxen to have back then. And that meant that he came from a very wealthy family. Now, I wonder this. It's not recorded in this passage. But I wonder, as Elijah was walking along, and he sees all these oxen, and then he sees Elisha out there with the last pair of oxen, I wonder if he's thinking, like, is this who God wants me to anoint to be a penniless prophet for the nation of Israel? Is this really the guy, he's got a silver spoon stuck in his mouth. Is he really going to leave all this and come and follow me? Like, is he going to leave all the, the opportunity that he has here to come and do what I do? This is a very difficult job. Now, again, it's not recorded there, but I wonder if that's what Elijah thought. So he walks up to Elisha, throws his coat over his shoulders and walks away. And we would read that and go, well, that's weird. But Elisha knew exactly what that meant. And, and we see that in his response. So he says to Elijah, he says, oh, first, let me go and say goodbye to my parents. Let me go kiss my mother and father, and then I'll come follow you. So he knew that this was an invitation to come and become his apprentice and become the next prophet of the, the nation of Israel. So Elijah has this pr pretty cool response. He says, go ahead, yeah, go on back. Uh, feel free to, to kiss your mom and dad goodbye, but think about what I've done to you. Consider this, as you're going home, as you walk past those 12 pair of oxen, as you go back to your house and think about all the opportunity that you have in your life, as you go back and you talk to your mom and dad, think about what you're committing to. Think about what it's gonna cost for you to, to become a prophet of God. I'm inviting you in, into an opportunity of a lifetime. But think about what this is going to mean. It's very similar to what Jesus says to his disciples. And he says to us, if you're considering being a disciple of Christ or you are a disciple of Christ, what Jesus says is count the cost. You need to count the cost before you become a disciple. Why? Because following Jesus is difficult. It can be very difficult. There are many days where you wake up and go, you know, I just don't want to do that today. Jesus wants me to love my neighbor or love my boss or love my coworker. I just don't want to do that. 
And it can be very difficult to follow Jesus. So uh, Elijah says, you need to consider this. You really need to count the cost and what it's going to mean for you to follow me. And then he does this really cool thing. He gives Elisha space. He gives him time and space to make up his mind. Very important thing when we're making up our minds. We need time and space to make up this decision. Um, And Elisha needed that as he was counting the cost and figuring out, am I going to do this when this gets difficult? Am I really going to follow through with this? And he was given that time and space to make that decision. So here's what he did. He went home, said goodbye to his mom and dad, made that decision, and then he went back and he had decided, I'm going to to go and be an apprentice to this prophet. I'm going to learn how to be a prophet. Now, before he goes on to prophet school, he does a couple more things found in verse 21. So listen to verse 21. Verse 21 says, so Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. Now, I don't know if he slaughtered 24 oxen or if he just slaughtered two oxen. Not sure, but the oxen, I'm sure, weren't real excited about that part of it. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. Then he passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. So what Elisha did in that moment was he confirmed his commitment by killing the oxen and burning the plow. So he did that as a way to remind himself that no matter how difficult it gets, to become a prophet of God, I've burned the plow. I've killed the oxen. There's no going back. I can't go back to that old life that I had. Like, like it's gone. I've got to move forward, even when it gets difficult. And and you got to know that it would be difficult. If you read more of his story uh, in 1 Kings, you understand how difficult it would be to be a prophet of God. So he would learn from Elijah, and then one day Elijah would leave, and he would leave him alone as a lone prophet, to, to walk and speak on God's behalf. And that would be a very lonely spot as a, as a leader. And if you're a leader, you understand how lonely leadership can be. And then a king would send all of his armies after Elisha to hunt him down and kill him. That's super exciting, isn't it? You know, you're speaking on God's behalf. You would think that, you know, God would just make it easy all the time for you. And then you've got this king who wants you dead. And so he sends all of his armies out to find you and kill you. You would go through a famine. You would experience starvation, understand what that's like as you walk through that famine. And um, get this, this is a really funny one. You'd be made fun of. Elisha was made, was made fun of because he was bald. Can you believe that? Like anybody would make fun of a bald person. Like that's just horrible. Like you should never do that. So what Elisha did in that moment, there were these punk kids making fun of him. I think there were like 42 kids. And so he called two bears out of the wilderness to maul those kids. Um, moral of the story is never make fun of a bald person, okay? We have a special relationship with animals, especially bears. Um, thanks for kind of laughing at that. So not sure, uh, pretty sure that that was not one of Elisha's finer moments as a prophet. Um, but becoming a prophet would be very difficult. And he burned the plow. He killed the oxen to remind himself there's no going back. I can't just run back home when things get difficult. The next thing that we see that he does there is he goes public. So he goes public with this commitment. He takes all the meat from the oxen and he goes around town handing out all the meat. And I'm sure the townspeople are like, what's this for? This is fantastic. I could eat off this for a month. But what's this all about? Well, I've made a commitment. 
I've made a commitment to follow Elijah. I'm going to be the next prophet of the nation of Israel. I'm going to speak on God's behalf to his people. I've made a commitment. I'm not going back. I've killed the oxen. There's no work to come back to here for that. And I've burned the plow. So he made this public commitment. Now, one of the greatest ways for us to keep our commitments, our God-honoring commitments that we're making is to go public with them. But here's what you're thinking, because this is what I think. Going public is all too official. You know, if I go public, that means people are watching and they're gonna be watching me, watching my life. And then if it doesn't work out the way that I thought it would, or if it gets hard and like, I don't wanna do it anymore, and then I bail on it, I'll have people holding me accountable. So I don't really wanna do that. So what we've decided, many of us, is I'll just keep my, my commitments private. That way, if I fail, nobody knows about it. Me and God, and you know, hopefully God was looking the other way at that time, um, and you know, I'll be able to kind of get away with that. But there is a supernatural power that gets released in our lives and the lives of other people around us when we make God-honoring commitments, when we burn the plow, when we kill the oxen, and we say, I am not going back no matter what. If I have to move two steps forward, one step back, it doesn't matter. I've burned the plow. There's a supernatural power that gets released in our lives. And so I've got to ask you, And I've been asking myself this over the past several days. Where do you need to burn the plow in your life? Where is God asking you to burn the plow and make a God-honoring commitment and move forward? You know, maybe it's a health issue in your life. Maybe, you know, your doctor's been telling you, your family's been telling you, hey, this is a health issue. You need to work on this. And maybe you know this is the time, this is the year that you need to burn the plow. You need to make make a God-honoring decision related to your health. Maybe it's an addiction issue. Maybe you have this addiction thing that's going on in your life and maybe nobody knows about it but you. Or maybe everybody knows about it around you. And maybe God is saying to you, it's time. Like this is the time for you to to kill the oxen, to burn the plow, to never go back to that life and make a commitment to a healthier lifestyle this year. Maybe you've had some past hurt some past failure that you've been dragging around for far too long. God's saying, it's time to burn the plow. Like, leave that in the past. Commit to moving forward in the freedom that I've offered you. Maybe, maybe it's a God issue for you. Like, maybe you've been exploring Christianity for quite a while. You've been kind of playing around at it and, and, and just kind of on the fringe of it, but you've never made a, a commitment, a full commitment to follow Jesus. And maybe what God is saying is it's time. It's time for you to to get your, your questions answered. It's time to get serious about exploring deeper. It's time to make a decision to get off the fence, either be in or out. And maybe the beginning of this year, God's saying it's time for that. Maybe you've been kind of playing around at this Christian thing. Maybe you just haven't been serious about really following Jesus. And maybe Jesus is saying like, it's the time. It's a time for you to to really count the cost of what it means to follow me. And it's time for you to burn the plow in your life of of playing around with Christianity. It's time to get serious. It's time to to go public, maybe at work or at school and let your faith be seen by other people. Maybe God's asking you to get into a small group. Maybe he's asking you to go on one of our international mission trips. I'll circle back into that for just a a moment as Chris challenged everybody this morning. I, I challenge everybody 
to go on at least one international mission trip in your life. And I guarantee you that will be a spiritual life marker that, that has an opportunity to radically transform how you live. And I've, I've been on multiple trips and that's why I love to go every year because God does something in me as I go on these trips and learn how to serve people in need outside of our American bubble. So I challenge you, challenge everybody to go, go on one of these trips. Maybe this is the year for you. Maybe this summer is the summer and you know you need to sign up today for that. But, but I don't know what God honoring commitment God might be asking you to do. Only you know that. Only you know what he may be challenging you to do. But what is it? Now, when we make God honoring commitments, here's what happens. We face challenges. We face challenges from other people, other people who say like, you can't do that. Like you tried that like two years ago. You remember that? That was an epic failure. Why are you trying to do it again? Or we face challenges internally from, from ourselves. And we think like, I don't know that I can do that. I'll probably take two steps forward, one step back. I'll trip and I don't want to, I don't want to do that. But listen to what the wisest man who ever lived said about God honoring commitments. In Psalms 24, 16, King Solomon said this. He said, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. So do the godly trip. Yes, you've known a few. You, maybe you've followed me in my life. Yes, the godly trip. Those, who, those are Christ followers. They're trying to become more like Jesus. Yes, we trip. Yes, we take two steps forward and then one step back. But Solomon says, but they will get up again and keep moving forward towards the life that God has for them, towards that freedom that he's promised. Why? Because there's no going back. We've burned the plow. Not going back to that life. Not going back to that pattern. Not going back to that way of thinking. I'm not going back. I've burned it. I've got to move forward. Now, as we're making God-honoring decisions, we often need help. We often need a spiritual help that'll give us a little bit of momentum to move forward in our lives. And there is a spiritual discipline that's been helping people make God-honoring commitments for thousands of years. And we're actually gonna engage that as a church in, uh, starting next week. It's the spiritual discipline of fasting, giving up food for a specific period of time. Jesus actually started his earthly ministry uh, by doing a 40-day fast. So 40 days of not eating anything. And that was, that was kind of part of his, his commitment to follow through with the plan that God had for him. And he faced some challenges during that time frame, if you know that story. But Jesus walked through that very successfully. And he modeled for us what it's like to face temptation and challenges as we are making God-honoring decisions. So if you're new to fasting, here's what it's all about. Fasting is about giving up food in some amount or some, some type, some length of time, uh, in order to spend more time with God, spend time praying, spend time reading, spend time listening to God. It's about saying, God, you are so important to me. This commitment is so important to me. I'm willing to set aside what sustains me physically to get more of who will sustain me spiritually. It's about we, where we understand like our spirit bodies live forever. These bodies die and, and will end up in a grave. And so we understand that. So we say, you know, I want more of what will help me live forever than, than what will just help me live for today. 
And so we're going to engage a fast, and you will be super excited to know it's not a 40-day fast, okay? It's a 14-day fast. We're going to start next Sunday, January 15th. We're going to run through the 28th of January. Um, Now, here's some things I want you to know about that. On your seat, there's a little card that looks like this. If you would, grab that card for just a minute. One side, it's got some great colors. Uh, You'll notice Pittsburgh Steeler colors there. I didn't have any decision on the colors. I'm just saying, go Pittsburgh. Uh, But you see, one side says no freedom. And uh, then I want you to turn on the other side for just a moment. So the first thing that I encourage you to do is to decide to fully engage this fast. Now, if you're new with us, you may say, well, I've only been here a few weeks, or maybe this is your first Sunday here, and you're thinking, like, I don't know, I want to get into all that. I invite you uh, to participate in this. This is an ancient spiritual discipline that's been practiced for thousands of years, and it's something that Jesus practiced, and it's something that you can practice today. But you can only really understand the spiritual benefits of it by doing it. So I really encourage you to to try this thing out. Now, to help you learn a little bit more about it, we have on our website a fasting preparation guide. So go to our website, theepicchurch.com, and then you'll see a fasting preparation guide. Just read through that, and that will help you understand a little bit more about fasting and how to engage this this year. So I really encourage you to do that. Now, if you are not new to Epic, if you've been here for a little while, if you've been here even a few years, you may be thinking, oh no, this is the time of year where Trent gets up and challenges us to do a fast. Like, didn't we just do that last year? Yes, we did. But remember what fasting is all about. Fasting is about saying to God, God, you're so important. Like I'm willing to start the year off by focusing all of my energy and attention on you. And I know you'll take care of the rest of the year. There's this commitment that I want to make towards you. And so God, I'm going to make this commitment. And I'm going to use the spiritual discipline of fasting to confirm my commitment. So it's, it's a big deal. And I can't uh, think of a, a better way to start the year than to engage fasting. So uh, if you're not new, I encourage you to fully engage the fast this year. And that would involve, go to our website and read through our fasting preparation guide. Even if you've read through it before, read through it again in preparation for what God might wanna do in your life this year. Now, the next thing I encourage you to do is decide what you need to commit to. So what is that thing in your relationship with God? What do you need to commit to? What's that God-honoring thing? Is it an attitude? Is it a relationship thing? Is it a spiritual development thing? Like, what is that thing that you need to commit to in this new year? So decide that thing. And then on the front side of this card, there's a spot where you can actually write that down. Now, the third thing is I encourage you to decide what you need to fast from. Now, here's where we have lots of options. So in the Bible, fasting always centered around food in some amount or some sort for a specific period of time. So what I challenge everybody to do with fasting is to fast some sort of food. So pick a food item or, uh, again, that amount of time will be two weeks for us, but just pick a a specific item or several items that you're going to fast from. And the whole point is when those cravings for that thing come along, that's the opportunity to start praying and saying, God, like this thing I'm committing to, this relationship with you that I have, this exploring a relationship with you that I'm doing, whatever that is for you, it's about saying, God, that's way more important than this craving that I have right now. And a food item is a great way to do that because often 
you know, when we're fasting, my stomach tells me like every 10 seconds, hey, you want that Reese cup right now. Like it's in the cupboard. It's fantastic. You should go get it. It's wrapped in that orange wrapping. Oh, it's so fun to open it. That's so great. It's a great opportunity for me to go, you know what? I want God way more than that. I want God way more than desserts. I want God way more than, and often what I do is I fast meat. God, I want you way more than, than I would like to have meat at a meal or food at a meal or whatever this thing that I'm fasting from. There's all kinds of things that you can fast from. You can fast from um, activity fast. There's a lot of people that, that set aside a technology or internet or social media during that time. I really encourage you to do that as well. That will help you focus in on your relationship with God. So there's all kinds of things that we can decide to fast from. And again, if you read our fasting preparation guide, that can help you in that decision. Now, the last thing I encourage you to do is to go public with your commitment. So I encourage you to write on this card what you're committing to, what you're fasting from, and then hand this card to a trusted person and ask them to pray for you every day for the next two weeks when you're going through this fast. And again, you're like, what? Yeah, like let's go public, all right? So let's, let's give it to somebody and say, please pray for me, encourage me as I'm walking through this journey. And again, that's one of the ways that we can help ensure that we are making God-honoring commitments and following through with God-honoring commitments as we go public. Now, um, there's this really cool addition that we're adding to our, our fast this year is we're adding a daily devotional. So we've got a da daily devotional. It's a daily reading plan, uh, some, some devotional thoughts that we have, and then a Bible reading plan that you can read every day. Um, if you are giving up social media, one way you can get it is through Facebook. So if you're giving up Facebook, guess you can't go there, um, but you can go to our website. So on our website, theepicchurch.com, it'll be there as well. So you can go to our Facebook page, like our Facebook page, and then you'll get the daily devotional, or you can go to our website and you can get it there as well. I think that'll be a great addition to what we're doing. Help us focus our thoughts on what God is speaking to us this year about making God-honoring commitments. So... Throughout this series, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the power of God-honoring commitments and how making those commitments and keeping those commitments can help us experience the freedom that God offers us. Take a look at this closing music video, and then I'll pray us out. God, as we gather today and this uh, first Sunday for us as we're beginning uh, services and uh, starting this new series called No Freedom, Lord, I pray that you would speak powerfully to us about God-honoring commitments and how those commitments can help us to experience a true freedom that you offer all of us. Uh, as Jesus, you said, if you commit to follow me, you'll know the truth, and that truth will set us free. So, so God, here we are at the beginning of this journey, and we have a lot to think about today as we walk out. We have a lot to think about this week as we think about, Lord, what is that God-honoring commitment you're asking us to make? What is that thing? So Lord, I, pr I pray that, Lord, I know that you'll speak clearly to us. I pray that we will hear. I pray that we will listen. I pray that we will be observant. I pray that we will slow down our busy lives to hear what you have to say. And Lord, I pray that we will have a determination in our heart to commit to that God-honoring thing to make that commitment, to burn that plow, to kill the oxen, to say, there's no going back. No matter what, I'm moving forward. And Lord, as we engage a fast in this as well, 
spiritual discipline, Lord, that's been practiced for a long time. It's something that, Lord, it's, it's hard to explain. And yet it's got these amazing spiritual benefits that come from it. So Lord, I pray that, that you would help us understand what fasting really means. I pray that as we walk through the next few weeks of, of this fast together as a church, that we'll watch you do amazing things in us and through us. I pray that it will give us the momentum that we need to launch us into the new year with this life-changing, God-honoring commitment that we're making to you in this season. So Lord, guide us in this journey, I pray. I pray for an amazing week of, of processing and hearing from you and then obeying you and following you. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this, amen. All right, everybody, thanks so much for being here today. Have a fantastic week. See everybody next week.